it is just massive overconsumption of water. There's no fooling around anymore. Climate disruption is is pounding on us already. The key for us is we want to protect our waterways. We all we all make mistakes getting started. It's just a matter of seeing if we can help avoid some of those right up front. It amounts to tens of thousands of gallons of water. Welcome back to the Lana Landscape Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Miller, an associate editor with the magazine. It's been a while since we ran a Choppy Waters episode, so before we dive into the good stuff with NALP's Andrew Bray, let's get you caught up on some of the stuff you might have missed. In our first episode, we dove into the complexities of the situation, how some landscapers by and large use water, and lots of it. Often, it's not that landscapers are overwatering just to do it. They're doing it because many enter the irrigation segment of the industry without proper training. Uh, the truth is, is that people are becoming much more water conscious. Uh, they just still don't know the proper means to, to, to conserve water. In the next episode, I talked with David Salmon, who's a xeriscaping expert. At times, David didn't mince words about the severity of the situation. But he also provides a solution in planting native plants by ways of xeriscaping. One of the big changes for uh, landscapers would be to acquaint themselves with uh, perhaps a a less traditional palette of plants that would include uh, a lot of natives. So where does that leave us? With Andrew, NALP's Vice President of Government Relations. Andrew and I talked like over a year ago about water in the landscaping industry. His job in all of this? Well, specifically for irrigation, it's to help get clear, fair guidelines of what landscapers can and can't do with water. Okay, so, you know, it, it is very back and forth, and it's got to be frustrating for people trying to figure this out. But this really stems from essentially a Supreme Court ruling back from, yeah, I believe it was 2006. I apologize if I have it wrong. Um, yes, it was 2006. It was called uh, the Rapinos decision or Rapinos decision. And essentially, when they were trying to determine what was a waters of the United States pursuant to the Clear Water Act, the Clean Water Act, um, the Supreme Court in there, all of their you know wiseness and, and, and how you know educated they are, they came up with a very ambiguous uh, term such as a navigable water. Yep. <laughs> So that immediately got held up in courts. 
and all of a sudden, still not fully determined, then you enter President Trump. President Trump then rescinds the rule and rewrites another rule. The key for us is we want to protect our waterways. That's we're stewards of the environment. But we want to make sure we're understanding what is and isn't a water. Imagine if you're putting an herbicide down in a lawn, and that lawn might have a ditch. Mm-hmm. There's no water in that ditch. There's no even evidence of water in that ditch. But under the old rule, there was kind of a question. At some point, if it rains and this floods, is this the waters of the United States? You know what I mean? Right. And so the, the Trump era rule really kind of carved out that sort of that sort of situation where a ditch that only has water when it rains is not considered waters of the United States. When I first talked to Andrew, Joe Biden had just taken office. The political whiplash of having President Obama, President Trump, and now President Biden was already evident. But it wasn't clear how that would specifically affect WOTUS. So now we're back present day. Uh, President Biden, the minute he is inaugurated, he releases a list of regulations that he plans to review, right? And on that list was water for the U.S. So here we go back, <laughs> you know. But, but the interesting thing is the comments that have come out of um, new EPA Administrator Reagan was that he wants to find a middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think a middle ground is something that we as an industry can work with. We just want to make sure that we continue to, you know, cherish water as one of the most vital natural resources, but also so important for the landscape industry. And we want to make sure we can continue to operate, understanding what is and what isn't a wilderness. And so I'm optimistic that we'll get there, but there's going to be a few more growing pains, I think, before this whole thing is finalized. So while that picture was taking shape, I had Andrew explain terms like WOTUS, that's waters of the U.S., and navigable waters. It can be tricky, keeping up to date with all that's going on litigation-wise. And that's exactly the point. Andrew believes part of the problem landscapers face is a murky picture on what's legal and what's not. Of course, landscapers want to be part of the environmental solution. But they might genuinely not know what's permitted and what is not. This is a very important issue for us. You know, as an industry, water is vital, and we want to protect water. We're not out here to try to get some carve out for our industry. We just want to make sure we have a clear understanding of what is permitted under the law, and that's why we want a clear definition of what is. Okay, so after we recorded, some stuff had already changed. Biden had made his mark on the WOTUS conversation. So I got Andrew back on the phone. Two things that are developments that should be of note, or maybe it's three things. First of all, so um, President Biden and the EPA and the Army Corps reintroduced a rule that kind of splits the apple a little bit and gets closer to the pre-2015 rule, mm-hmm. which is the Rapinos ruling and the navigable water ruling. But it still has some tinges of the significant nexus, which is the test that you know, it was a little more concerning and ambiguous to us that was in the Obama 2015 rule. So he's kind of between the old rule and the Obama rule and very far away from the Trump rule. Um, But this continues to face litigation uh, and is being challenged in the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court is supposed to hear the case sometime this fall. Um, But I will say the third thing that has happened is, I think this was a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, the Supreme Court overturned a ruling in the Ninth Circuit, which is California. It's always where kind of some of the more liberal rulings come out of. Um, That's just the nature of the beast. But uh, essentially, the Supreme Court was shot down some ability for the federal government to take away some state rights issues and some water permitting, especially when it comes to like uh, pipelines and think of some of the more 
controversial issues that are outside of our scope of what we do, but still very involved with water and, and water quality. And um, I think what that tells you is that the Supreme Court, which is definitely conservative leaning at this point, may be signaling to the Biden administration to slow down on any sort of WOTUS because it's going to be challenged and most likely in, it, in the Obama sphere will likely fail with the current makeup of this Supreme Court. And this is all just speculation, just so you know, Jimmy, I think you know, none of that's guaranteed, but this is just kind of reading the tea leaves. Sure, that makes sense, Andrew. Um, and I guess just to make sure again that, you know, could you redefine those major differences between the Obama and the Trump administration's definition of WOTUS? Yeah, I mean, really, the problem with, well, not the problem, there was ambiguity about what was considered a significant nexus on um, with a waters of the U.S. And the problem there was there was some belief the significant nexus could get tied down even to below to subsurface water levels, right? So under that theory of significant nexus and being able to go subterranean, you could make an argument that everything is essentially interconnected and therefore almost anything could be a WOTUS. There was also consternation in the Obama era rule that um, if it was on temporary water, I think is the term they use, ephemeral. I think I mentioned that in the last one. Um, that means, you know, the water's only there temporarily. Is that really a WOTUS? And that's a tough thing for our industry because think about like a ditch, right? And a ditch that is very common that usually doesn't have water in it, but when it rains, it could have water in it. Is that a WOTUS? Is it or not? Um, and, and that was very concerning. Now, when uh, President Trump and the EPA, under his guidance, introduced their rule. They clarified that. They got rid of the significant nexus test. They went closer to the navigable waters, but they even went a, a, a step further and kind of helped define what is in a WOTUS and what is. And they even went out of their way to basically explain that a ditch that doesn't really have water in it, but only might temporarily have water, that would not be considered a WOTUS in most cases. So those were some of the real big differences for our industry. Because in the end, we want to protect water. We don't want anything bad happening to water. But we need to understand if we're spraying something that is completely dry with, you know, some sort of fungicide, um, that that's not, you know, violating any sort of rule or needing an additional permit. So what is it that Bray wants on behalf of the industry? What's the solution here? It's dicey because water flows from one body of water to another. Does that make everything a WOTUS? I think that the, the the definition is obviously closer to that navigable water, these large bodies of water that are clearly, you know, a, a WOTUS. But we also acknowledge that almost anything, that a lot of things that we do may, may, may matriculate down into the waters of the United States. And so we have a responsibility to make sure we're using EPA and, and federally and state approved products responsibly so we don't adversely impact water. And so, you know, I think the definition is closer to the Trump and traditional rule as opposed to this nexus that gets gets all sprawling. Um, but in the end, we want to protect the water. We just want some certainty so that we can continue to operate.